Welcome to the Elite Podcast, where we discuss business, family, and life. Now, welcome to your hosts, Mr. H. Rod himself, Henry Rodriguez, and Ryan Arditi, the SCV MVP. All right, Podcast World, there's your favorite insurance guy, Henry Rodriguez, here again with my co-host, Ryan Arditi, the SCV MVP. Diddy. Episode 7, baby. I can't believe it. Hey, and we have some stories to share. Isn't 7 a lucky number? It is. Hey. Right, for most people it is. I right? feel lucky. Lucky number 7. I feel good. Do I look a little tanner than you normal? look great. I just got back from Cabo. I just shaved, so I'm probably look, making you look <laughs> a lot tanner right now. What do you think about the new furniture? It's pretty nice. Yeah? Who did we hire to all, do this? All the new layout? It's pretty it's good. good. Yeah, I like it. It's I'm really, like, really good. I'm the center of attention now. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> but Cabo was an experience. Yeah, how was that? I, I heard that you heard some things about Cabo. <laughs> I never knew voices sweat and dance. Did you know that? The voice is actually a really good dancer. I'm not going to lie. Man, I was impressed. You should have seen it was hot, it was muggy, and the voice just turned it all the way up. The Did voice you? train, kind of like Soul Train. It's the voice train. Voice. Let's bring you into this podcast. I'm good. No, Oh, no comment? We'll get to me later. <laughs> He's actually dancing as we speak. Cabo was a great experience. Shout out to Rachel Cleveland. It was her wedding. Um, it was an honor to be there. Um, we had all the good times. It was super hot. Uh, again, it was extremely humid. But you know what? With the right people, it's always a good time. Should I be butthurt? I was not invited? A, a little bit. Okay. It's all good, though. Congrats, man. Rachel. Congrats. <laughs> a few other things that I wanted to share is that uh, I'm actually going to be insuring in other states now. Oh, wait, so not just on. California. Hold on. Should we have a show about this? Yeah. That should be a, its own separate segment. <laughs> Um, but not to go into too much detail, but uh, starting August 1st, Oregon and Arizona will be under our belt. So we'll be insuring Good. in California, Oregon, and Arizona again. So Perfect. Yeah. And there's people moving there, so I think that's definitely an opportunity yeah. for you for sure. I, I had to capitalize on that opportunity. Do you think California's coming back eventually? Uh, I think just, eventually. Yeah. Uh, like I said in a previous episode, I truly believe it has to get worse before it gets any better. Um, but... Like we've mentioned in the past, hard pivots. So one of my hard pivots is looking into other opportunities in other states. So uh, Oregon and Arizona is it August for, uh, August first? I like it. Yeah. Maybe we'll add Texas too. Eventually, Maybe right? yeah, eventually, yeah. absolutely. Um, another uh, hot topic right now, dude. What do you think about Lionel Messi coming know, to hype. the MLS? I'm hype. I'm not gonna lie. I dude. just started to get into soccer, and uh, I swear, did we see him at Vallarta recently? Where <laughs> there, was he? There was a viral picture going around that he was he was at a store that looked similar to a Vallarta. He did. No one in the states recognized who he was. <laughs> That's crazy. He's an international icon, superstar, a superstar, and at this, uh, it looked like it was at a local grocery store in Miami. No one recognized him. Which looked, I thought was you know what I like about him? He's super humble, right? Oh. I mean, the guy's just with his family, pushing a cart, hanging out. I mean, he's only making fifty to sixty-five <laughs> million dollars a mu- a year. Yeah. So that's man, a pay cut from what he was receiving, though. Right? I, well, I'm sure there's a lot of other endorsements. He's probably part owner of the of the team. Yeah. He he is has officially put the <clears throat> MLS on the map, and I'm super <clears throat> duper excited to see him eventually play. I mean, I how saw, cool would it seem to uh, have him uh, come out to L.A. Oh, and play either LAFC or Galaxy versus, I mean, is I don't even know the name of the team in Miami. It's I'm just going to call them the, the Lionel Messis. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something that's going to say MLS uh, before Messi and MLS after exactly. Messi. He's it, definitely going to oh, be a pivotal point. Absolute game changer. MLS. So All right. we'll see. Lionel Messi. One of these days, we'll have you on our podcast. We get messy. Uh, uh, yeah, that'll put us yeah. on the map for yeah. sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be okay. We'll be okay. That'd be awesome. But you know what? Without further ado, 
I'm super excited to bring on our guest for the podcast episode seven. None other than drumroll, please. Mr. David Rendell. Woo! Dave, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good to T see you, sir. Tell Good us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. Yeah. Um, I turned 50 last year, so I'm no. 50 years old. On wow. Life. Yes, sir. Yeah. You look younger look, than the boys. Good. <laughs> I was going to say I've got a face for radio, so I'm going to switch seats <laughs> with the voice over there. Um, tell me, so I'm a, a broker attorney uh, by trade, yeah. and I'm the broker of, obviously, the, the Remax out here, yes. and I've been in real estate for about 22 years. And uh, love the industry and yeah. have uh, great friends like you guys. And it's all about the relationship. And you're right? looking great, brother. Looking you're feeling good. You've lost some weight. A little bit. Turning 50. Yep. How much weight have you lost? Uh, 12 pounds. And how'd you do it? Just simple habit changes, okay. like everything. Creating um, habits, I like it. Self-care, you know, trying to put that first and uh, be healthy, deal yeah. with uh, you know, lower blood pressure. Because if you don't have your health, you can't do all the other things. Yeah, Health is wealth, right? That so. makes sense. Cut out the bread, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Keto works, yeah. Little little but intermittent fasting, yeah. little all kinds of stuff. Yeah. How's the alcohol? No alcohol now. I haven't had any for forty five days or so. How do you feel? But I I feel great. But yeah. I'm traveling uh, this weekend, so I'm definitely gonna have a drink or a glass of wine, or something okay. like that. But every, everything in moderation. I feel yeah. like the busier I get in this business, the more I drink. Is this true? <laughs> easy, <laughs> easy to do. Easy to yeah. do, right? Yeah. To do. yeah, right. So and we've been hanging out at the junction a lot too. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I love that place. You should. Drink. Kudos <laughs> on that, man. Yeah, Dave, no, did you hear what Dave just said? You should be drinking. <laughs> <should be drinking. laughs> Old fashioned. Yeah. yeah. Dave, you had, you touched already on one of the questions that I had set up for you, which was you're an attorney by trait. Right. What made you decide to switch career paths in different industries or and then how do you marry both of them? Yeah, great question. We could go an hour on it. But um, so I went to UCLA as an undergrad. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go into law school at some point. Ended up, I took the CBS and taught in LA Unified for a couple of years, waited tables, did a million different mm -hmm. things, and then went back to law school. So I went back to law school as a, a night division. It was at Loyola Law School. And my buddy, Mike Rezzo, who's with Remax mm -hmm. and uh, an investment partner of mine and many, many things, um, was doing very well in real estate okay. and had worked with Lou Fricke and, and was doing exceptionally well. And I thought, hey, I love real estate. I'm enjoying law school, not sure if I'm going to work for a big law firm or what I want to do. And so I actually got licensed uh, to sell real estate while I was in law school. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Overachiever. I know. Right. Man. <clears throat> you know what's, uh, what's funny? In one of our early episodes, I mean, we only have seven, but so <laughs> back in the day. Seven's lucky. Troy Uden, voice and correct me. Didn't Troy Uden also go to law school and switch career paths? <laughs> yeah. So Dave, you're our second guest on, on our podcast that had originally chosen the, the, the law path and now and, and switch gears. So. so in my class in law school, since it was evening division, we had doctors that were becoming lawyers. We had engineers that were becoming lawyers. So it was a huge kind of transition. So it was a fun group of people. It was about 100 of us. Okay. Uh, 78 of us, I think, graduated. I still keep in touch with, with a group of them. So I took a class in law school, and it was kind of a marketing, business-oriented type class. And I always thought, hey, I love real estate. I want to do a combination. I want to have a law practice. I want to have a uh, you know, real estate brokerage. I might want to get into property management. I created this concept called the Legacy Group, okay. which is funny. It didn't really transpire. I do have an entity that has legacy in it, mm -hmm. but ended up I got into real estate, loved it, um, became in-house counsel for John and Alice O'Hare. I was running a sales team, uh, was running Group 1 Legal on the legal side, and then finally got in a position whereby they... I came to them first talking about some form of partnership and they said, hey, you know, we're probably at a stage in our careers that we, we're looking to retire. You know, would you be interested 
Um, and so that took about a year and a half of negotiations. And then there was the purchase of Remax and Escrow Advantage. Um, kind of, so it was just a process. So kind of my original goals from law <coughs> school came to fruition, but they came to fruition in a different way. And so whenever I business plan with people, I always go back to my, I go back to my 2005 written goals, which is actually two years after I graduated from law school. But I tell people when you draft things, you write goals down, it takes time and a lot of them will come to fruition and some of them will, will come to life in a different way. But as long as you have that down and you're taking daily actions to 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 have that succeed, it, it will come to. I never thought I'd be a broker yeah. of Remax. I thought I'd have kind of like a boutique type firm and a boutique law firm, but it just went in a yeah. different direction. I met Rendell, uh, I think, in 2005 as you came aboard at Remax. Yeah. I worked at Remax. I started at Remax. That's I right. love Remax. Kind of how I, I graduated I... high school in 2005. <laughs> by the way, I'm almost 50. <laughs> You're looking young, though, sir. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> you've been, you know, that's such a guys. motivational story, Dave. You I mean you had to tackle two completely different industries, and you completely married them, and you made it work, and you've made it work ever since. And, and I said, you know, it's funny. I, I talked to people about this, and I did work for some law firms, but I said, boy, I ended up getting lucky a little bit, but I, but obviously I, I worked hard. But it was an interesting time. So I got licensed in 2001. Mm -hmm. The market obviously ran for, all the way up through 2006. And then it had a, a little bit of wobbling. And then obviously the debacle in 2008. But when I graduated law school and took the bar and passed it, I decided, hey, I don't want to go downtown. I don't want to work for a big firm. I'm going to do some legal work on the side and continue to work on my sales team. Now, in hindsight, I'd say, well, that's a crazy idea. But, you know, ended up with the market turning, it led to some pretty unique relationships, uh, some of which have led to investment partners over the years. And so I did legal work as a landlord. I did evictions during the flip era. Um, we ended up then creating groups ourselves and, and doing flips. And so Group One Legal, though I don't practice into a lot of billable hours, mm -hmm. I still maintain the company. Of course. But it kind of led to these these interesting opponents. And without having the law degree or being able to practice, I probably wouldn't have been in-house counsel for John and Alice, mm -hmm. which in turn probably wouldn't have given me the opportunity to actually purchase the brokerage. So the education itself, I consider myself a businessman first and foremost. Um, but I loved the legal background and the education, and it definitely opened up doors and created some relationships for me. And now, so I still hold it actively, but I just don't go out and try to pursue, you know, billable type hours. Well, well said. I'm super interested to know and understand what it's like to endure going, passing, passing the bar, or even just taking <laughs> yeah. the exam. I hear it is just easier said than done, right? Well, I'll... Dave, so it's what's Jay a share. question on yeah. the bar? That's what so I want to know. Like, what's a typical question do you have, do you on have, the bar? Do you have 18 hours? So <laughs> it, it, it used to be it was a three-day test, six hours, six hours, six hours. Uh, the first six hours of, of the first day was considered essays and library. Mm -hmm. The second was the multi-state, and then third day was, was essays. essays. So yeah. they kind of set you up to feel like you, you fail it. It's, it's a real workhorse kind of exam. It's and three you, days. It's three days. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and I had Jacqueline at the time, my daughter, and I remember after the second night, I actually drove home because I just needed a hug, right, and just to, yeah. to decompress. And I think I picked her up and I said, oh, your dad is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I got through the third. Dad's not stupid it sounds at like all. me in this real estate market. <laughs> yeah. I need a hug and decompress. Yeah, yeah. Diddy for sure, but Dave, no. I'm so. looking for hugs every day. 
<laughs> so it, what's weird about the the bar is it, at the time it's probably the same now. You have to wait four to five months. So you're not hearing, I think, until November whether or not you pass. And if you don't pass, you have to study again and prep for it for the February exam. So when I got the news that I did pass the uh, first time, which was I was very glad to hear. Yeah. I didn't want to repeat that. Um, I thought to myself, law school is great. I enjoyed the education. The studying to prep for the bar is a, a difficult proposition. So when people get into real estate, I always tell them, I say, listen, you take the classes, you know, principles, practices, legal, legal aspects of real estate, and you go set, set up for the test. Mm -hmm. If you don't pass, you find out immediately, and then you can go schedule it in two weeks. So yeah. don't even stress about it, but prep for it and, and do it and get in the business. So the worst thing about um, taking the bar was just the time frame of waiting sure. to find out if you sure. pass or not. Yeah. That's I want to say in 2005, when you came aboard Remax, he came in at a perfect time, but I don't think we really knew what was going to happen. Right. Um, so many people were doing short sales. So many people were kind of losing their home. And he was a foundation piece that helped people get through that. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, even myself, my own experience, he helped <clears throat> me, and I'm in real estate, kind of navigate those really hard times. And I was always grateful for you for helping me get through that. It's not easy. Not easy Going at all. through that. Yeah. And I just remember that what was it, like a year, two, three-year period, where literally, how many short sales did you do in that time? Yeah, so it's interesting. So I was licensed in 2001. I was at Remax. I left Remax, went to Realty Executives. Then I got involved in a partnership with Carol Westerman on a, on a, on a deal that we were doing with the developer. She wanted me to come back to Remax. I met with John and Alice O'Hare. So I came back to Remax around that time. It was okay. 2004, 2005. When the market started to turn, we ended up doing our first short sale in 2007, yeah. I believe. And then my company, Group One Legal, we were fairly good at it. Obviously, we had the legal background, um, but we were dealing with all the loss mitigation, um, you know, uh, asset managers, et cetera. And, there was and we, so much involved. We started, yeah. to, we, we started to get kind of a reputation of doing good work because there was a lot of fraud back then, too, where mm -hmm. people were trying to short sell their house to their aunt and yep. stay in their I house, that all really bad stuff. We said, listen, it's our That's job. what Ryan tried to do, didn't he? Wow. <laughs> not at all. We at are all. live right now. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we <laughs> honestly, the record. We, we honestly <laughs> got a good name recognition from the banks. We did good work. And so we started doing our own listings, and we were negotiating with Group One Legal, and we had a staff of about three people. And then other agents would call us to do their short mm -hmm. sales. And so I think between 2007 2011, we probably did about 300 yeah. wow. short sales. A lot. Wow. Yeah. And for our viewers that don't understand, because it's been a, it's been a while since it's been a short sale market. What's a short sale? Yeah, so a short sale is when you have monetary encumbrances that exceed you know the value of the equity of mm -hmm. the property, and so someone is going to have to agree to take less than the actual balance and the default and the delinquencies. Okay. And so what would happen is sometimes the first uh, would be in a position to be paid in full, so you're negotiating with the second. And then sometimes it was short all the way to the first, which made it very difficult because the senior position loan was in a very strong position. They'd want to give very little money to the second. And so there was a negotiation of that. And then I could get into like anti-deficiency statutes and how they changed. And at first, when short sales came about, our legal team really had to negotiate the correct language to utilize to protect the individual because in California, purchase money, uh, deeds of trust are protected um, as as non-recourse, but HELOCs at a certain time were okay. not protected, and so they could go after them. Then the law changed, whereby if someone completed a short sale, there was there was no deficiency issues, and so they couldn't go after them. And and so at that point, it kind of got to the level where 
it got quicker and easier and the bank said, hey, listen, we would rather do short sales than take this REO because then they have to deal sure. with the process. So. Now, did your law background mm -hmm. help you during the sh De short sale market? Yeah, definitely helped. Okay. You know, but I always say, you know, our, all of our businesses, yours included with what's happening in insurance, yeah. is always about what's the market giving us? How do we pivot? And how do we decide what door is going to open for us? So at the time, it was, okay, we're going to negotiate short sales. We're going to go get listings. But on top of that, we we're doing evictions for people doing flips. And we thought, hey, here, here's an avenue for us as well. So we formed the first group we formed. It was called Group One Investments LP, Limited Partnership. And we started doing flips. And I can remember buying the first one. It was a carriage-style a cornerstone. I was nervous at sale, and I was actually <laughs> down there doing the bidding. At the courthouse? Yeah, the wow. courthouse. And then, obviously, you work with Jeff, and he's done hundreds upon hundreds of them, and, and he's got a big team in place to Henry really wants to me do to be Jeff. That. So we'll just <laughs> Jeff, can you I mean, call Jeff, me Jeff for you know, this next uh, couple of minutes? <laughs> you know, a, a huge shout-out to, to Jeff. So we understand just the complexity of every time you, you open up another door, there's, there's management, there's a team to kind of create behind it. It's not as sexy and easy it is on yeah. TV, as TV. Yeah. So for Jeff to do it as long as he has, you really have to create a team environment to do that. You don't just have to have the capital, but you have to have the people in place. So yeah. he's done a, a great job at yeah. that. There's so many moving parts. Absolutely. So many. I like what Randall said just real quick about pivoting. Yeah. You know, it's kudos to you, right? Because you started attorney and then we did the short sale. Then you took over Remax and now you've just continued to grow and grow. And I think for all of us, we have to learn to pivot. We can't just continuously go that same line. Right. No, you know? absolutely. You know what? Um, we'll pause there for a second. I would love to hear a few questions from The Voice um, directly to our guest, Mr. Dave Rendell. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know we're a, <laughs> this is a little different. When normally, we ask questions to everybody, but we, you're a mentor to so many. I want to make Thank sure you. that everybody hears uh, your answers on these because a couple of them are really important, I feel. Um, so first question, share your morning or nightly routine. Um, I know for myself, I'm a morning routine guy. Uh, and I know Henry is an evening routine guy. I'm not exactly sure what, what Ryan uh, does. Ryan, yeah. But I'm an everyday routine guy. <laughs> everyday baby. But I would love to hear if you have a, a routine a routine for both or one or the other and what, what that entails. Yeah, so I definitely have OCD. So there's certain things I have to do methodically. And it's I've dealt with it since I was a kid. Um, so my methodical things in the morning are for some reason I always have to do all of my finance and accounting work. Okay. in the morning even uh, websites that i've checked the day before i check them the following day because it's just something in my head that i that i do so my dogs wake me up at 5 30. Uh, i go make coffee uh, my daughter's in town for the summer she's doing a summer internship with a, a good friend of mine who's a developer and so i make her lunch and i enjoy oh, doing that and i hop i get a cup of coffee i hop on my computer I do all the basic things. I always remote into my office computer, so I do that as well. Uh, do emails, um, kind of schedule what I'm doing for the day. I really don't typically make appointments till 10 or 10.30. Um, if I get a text or something's immediate or I have to deal with our risk manager or something like that, I'll hop on the phone. If not, I will leave that to 10.30 and beyond. And then lately, because trying to work on self-care, I either go to the gym or I have a home gym and I'll do very specific things for that and then I shower and then I go about my day. Love that. Powerful morning. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. You yeah. hit all the details that yeah, you want to hit in marks for sure. Yeah. That's pretty good. Absolutely. I have a quick follow-up question. Sure. Have you read Profit First? No. Okay. 
a gift from from a truck. It's, okay. coming, it's coming soon. Send it. Send it. Oh, <laughs> because you said the finance portion at, right. in, uh, as part of your your morning routine. Yeah. So it gives it, you peace of mind, right, to do the kind of the finances in the morning. It does. Yeah. So so me on, on on the different things that we do, I always have my spreadsheet. So I, I keep those on my computer, and I, I'm always kind of I, I really look at patterns and things a lot, on, especially on a financial mm-hmm. sc- scale. And I even do it for escrow. I do it for Remax. I look at numbers and I, I kind of have an expectation of projections and I'm pretty good at that kind of yeah. stuff. So I like to key into that and it gives me kind of a macro view of things. So I kind of do that on a daily basis for right. sure. Yeah. When you say you log into a couple uh, different websites, can you go and tell us what those websites no, it's just, are? I have all of my stuff uh, on my header to every account that I have, uh, mortgages, anything. I go through all of it. Every day? All, all every day. Wellsfargo.com. Yeah. But it, but, it, but uh, honestly, it only takes about 45 minutes. So I'm on my main computer, and I do that, and then I go remotely onto my office computer, and that usually takes 30 to 45 minutes. Okay. Got it. Got it. Very cool. I need to check out my I also watch, <laughs> yeah. I also, yeah, yeah. I also watch like CNBC, and I just that kind of sure, stuff. Okay. Just get a perspective like, hey, what's the 10 you're doing right now? Okay, yeah. what effect is that going to have on mortgage rates? What's Just that macro kind of stuff. I think a lot of people are afraid to look at their finances in the morning. Right? Yeah, so especially today's, maybe that's some, today's economy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, start, start at zero, advice. right? Start <laughs> at zero. Let's get um, one more question, voice. Yeah, okay. Um, name a couple silly mistakes that we should avoid in life. So there's a great book called The Psychology of Money. And the one point he makes in this book, which is he makes two really great points. So one mistake a lot of people make is their assumptions are too optimistic. And what I mean by that, they don't they don't leave what's called um, a margin of safety in their investments. So they think everything's going to work out and you're always going to run into hurdles. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give an example like what happened with COVID, like Newhall Crossings, you know, our friend built mm-hmm. that, Jason Tolleson. He's got a, a great company called uh, the Serrano Development Group. And to have all of your numbers hit properly, your rent rates be great, and then all of a sudden, you but you still have COVID that you run into. So what does that do to the retail component of the development? So you have to be very cautious in your assumptions, and so you have to have that kind of margin of safety. The other mistake I think the majority of people make is when you have a great year, like 2021 was a, a real anomaly year mm-hmm. for a lot of agents, and that's wonderful because a lot of people make a lot of money, but you should really look at your cost of living and take a kind of a, a, a overview of five years. Like, what have you been doing on a five-year period, and what should your cost of living be like? Because at the end of the day, if you keep your cost of living down, but your trajectory of income <clears throat> increases, you can take that extra money post-tax dollars, and you can invest that. So that's that's key for everyone. Like, it, that's Dave Ramsey stuff, yeah, right? Like, absolutely. start with budget, figure out how you can have post-tax dollars, and how, how do you invest yeah. in that? Dave, one thing that I've always loved about you is that the people you you really want success for the people around you. When early on in our relationship, you gave me X amount of dollars to you said Henry save X amount of dollars every single year, and I really took that to heart, and I've done it every single year. This is probably my sixth year of doing that, and it's actually worked out Congrats. really really well. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna switch gears real quick. Um, you know, owning a business in California, being a small business owner, you know, being owner of a brokerage. What is that like in today's economy? Yes, yeah, it's super challenging. Um, obviously, we can complain about California taxation mm-hmm. on the income tax level, uh, feel like there's overregulation. Um, it's difficult. Margin's difficult in California. Um, I think it's a beautiful state. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think the politics need to change a little bit. 
um, some of the tax uh, things that we deal with. Obviously, we love the property tax side with Prop 13, sure, right. but it's very challenging running profitable businesses. Um, and like I said, there's just a ton of regulation. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it, it's challenging, but still an amazing state. I yeah, love being it here, is. So. I will never leave. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be incredibly hard for me to leave for sure. Um, I mean, you don't like paying high taxes, right? You know. I mean, I like what he said. Keep your expenses down. So yeah, I mean, no, I think for that's, sure. That's so real quick in the book, t- talking about that. So he made a great point. He says too many people move their their goalpost, and he meant that from an income standpoint. So he, him, and his wife, who, the writer of this book, said they they kind of kept their cost of living and what they need in their life mm-hmm. that what makes them happy. Like there's jet rich and then there's wealthy and there's comfortable and there's financial freedom and, and it can be different from so many people. But the key to it is there's broke people that make $10 million a year yeah. and there's wealthy people that make $500,000 yeah. a year. Or you know, So it's really what you're doing to create passive income it's what you're doing to make money while you're sleeping it's all of those things that are the difference makers what's your favorite or best advice that you're giving you know potential investors people who are currently investors or someone who's just simply looking to save yeah i say save (laughs) (laughs) i always joke but i say stack your chips yeah is there a certain percentage you're looking for yeah, buy real estate for sure. But do you certain percentage of income or so? So I do an investment mastermind with mm-hmm. about thirty five of our agents, and actually ours is tomorrow. Okay. It's the second to last class. It's going to be on adaptive reuse and value add investing. And so what I said to them is, when you start this journey to financial freedom, which I believe anyone can be financially free in about fifteen years if if they really make the hard choices yep. to do what they need to do. Yeah. I, I tell all of them, the goal of this class is for you guys to figure out what's your income trajectory, what do you know that you can make, what's unacceptable not to make, and what's your cost of living, and then what do you expect to save on an annual basis. So what I tell agents, the starting point is get your cost of living down to know that post-tax dollars you can save at least $50,000 a mm-hmm. year. If you can save fifty. Even if you don't invest that fifty on year one, you would have a hundred in year two, right. and maybe that's the right time to invest, or maybe it's not, and maybe you wait till year three where you have one fifty. I also tell people, I said, first get into your principal residence, and then save money and make sure that the principal residence that you choose isn't your dream home, but it's affordable for you. So your income as it rises, you can continue to save money because in rich dad poor dad. One of the key components of that is Robert says, listen, too many people in America feel like their principal residence should be their own, their only investment right. vehicle. But in actuality, it's not an investment because there's no cash flow. Correct. It With forced savings, principal reduction, growth and appreciation, it, it can be an, an, a nice like equity a build. It's like a, a savings yeah. account. Yeah. But it's not an asset that's giving you passive income. So too many people put too much a portion of into the principal. Buy something and get in the real estate market. Always you need to get in the real estate market. Yep. Have a plan for three to five years where maybe you convert that first principal into a rental. Mm-hmm. Or you take that equity and move up, right? So your payment's lower on your second. But the goal is to kind of multiply that. So I tell people, get in the principal. Two to three years, if you can figure out, buy another rental mm-hmm. and rent that as an investment. Or which you did on one of yours, right? You kept one of your I principles, yes. a milestone, I think it yep. was, right? Yep. Good and, memory. Right? Now a toll brothers, <laughs> beautiful house, beautiful backyard, yeah. gorgeous. 
Um, so you, it's just a process. Yeah. Right. I love it. Takes you're, time. You're I think uh, the voice and I want to go to his class. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. It's at the junction. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, a serial, we'll you're a serial entrepreneur, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. For people who are have aspirations to either own their own brokerage one day or just to be you know, self-employed, maybe they'll own their own restaurants, what's your best advice? Um, to be an entrepreneur, it's, it's a lifestyle, right? You, you kind of... Yeah, not your nine to five. It, it, it cannot be nine to five. It's that you're always thinking business-minded opportunity. But I would say pick your niches. So the only reason that I'm partnered with Chef in the restaurant is because we, we bought the building in about 2015. Mm -hmm. I'd also say invest in paths of growth. Uh, invest in areas where the city or the municipality is putting money and wants to see change. Invest in areas that have a specific plan. You know, these kinds of things. Okay. Get in get in that path yeah. of growth. Uh, invest where big developers are doing big things or big Pretty businesses. Pretty much no Castaic. <laughs> right no no, I think Castaic long-term is a, 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 a good play. But, um, so you have to do that. So when we purchased the building, we knew we were going to do a Remax office upstairs. So that was the goal. We had mm -hmm. LA County Health that was one of our tenants and Workboot Warehouse who actually owned the building, sold it to us. They moved on Lions, and they were still our tenant for about six months. So our goal was to do, because the city wants retail downstairs, they don't want any office um, downstairs. It has to be upstairs on the second floor. So we started getting LOIs, letter of intents mm -hmm. from different people, gastropubby stuff, kind of like new oil refinery or other things. And we didn't love the financials behind them. We knew it's a first-generation restaurant. There's a lot of uh, TI and capital work that has to go into that, grease, interceptor, et cetera. It's not easy to, to turn a basic space into a restaurant. That's yeah. why a lot of people that get into restaurant, they want to do second-gen. So they want to take over a restaurant that, that wasn't there. I had met Chef at a party. I knew that he had run TPC, mm -hmm. and I knew he, he was part of the Culinary Institute, and I knew he had a great name in town. So everything starts with a conversation, right? How I met Jason Tolleson, same yeah. way. Yeah. Called him up, hey, I'm a broker out here. How can I help you? You know, I think the project that you're going to be working on seems amazing. What can I do to help? And so I called Chef, and I said, hey, I've heard amazing things about you. I'd love to have a meeting. I actually saw him at a, a neighborhood's party. And um, we ended up just having a meeting. And that's where it all starts. Yeah. So all of the restaurant's success goes to Chef and his team. The relationship and the partnership came out of, hey, we have this really great real estate asset in a great area. Why can't we have someone local that's respected do something extremely special yeah. and partner with this person? And so that's how that all came about. Because I wouldn't generally go, oh, hey, I'm going to go get into hospitality right, or something right, like that. So right, it was really... Right. A relationship that was built and chef you know did everything. i love that story and you guys have really hit a home run i mean with with the junction it is truly a staple of the community now yeah they're, it, they, it really is they do an amazing job yeah. that's awesome. all right last question and we'll wrap up this segment um another thing that i am how do i want to say this something i look up to as well again you're a mentor to so many Thanks. people but i think you would agree your big your biggest success is with your children and it's, it's something that i always ask uh, people who I consider successful parents. You have, you have both your daughters are now in college. Right. What does that look like? What are you teaching them? What are you having them read? What What does the morning conversations look like for you know future successful leaders? Yeah, so I mean, I, I appreciate the comment on mentorship. I really mm -hmm. love it. I, I've, I've loved teaching LA Unify. I love teaching at College of the Canyons. I, I love being a broker of so many amazing agents. 
Um, I really liked what, what uh, the voice said at, at one of your last meetings, how he's mentoring someone from a local high school. Like, really, if you can't pay it forward, then what, what, are, you what, are, you, yeah. what are you doing, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think that's really great stuff. Um, having two daughters to be blessed with, I always say the best title this world gives us is to be a mom or a dad. Yeah. And, and with that, I wanted them to be very strong, independent women. I never wanted, they're beautiful girls, but I never wanted them to think, well, it's important for me to be beautiful, this or that. They, I always downplay it like, yeah, you're beautiful. That doesn't mean anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, what are you bringing to the table? Right. Uh, jokingly. Yeah, sure. And so they're both hard workers. They did great in school. And I tried to find, what I really tried to do is I, I traveled with them too, and you're, you're a great traveler. I know yeah. with, with your kids is if you travel, it gives you perspective on the world and you learn about other people and hopefully yeah. you're respectful of them. Yeah. Get them outside their bubble, right? Get them yeah. outside their bubble and, and, and realize the world's a, a beautiful place mm -hmm. to explore and to go after and anything that you want to do is possible. So I wanted them to be independent women that are entrepreneurial. Now, my one daughter wants to be a doctor, uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and she has a passion for that. And it was trying to get them on the right path with the right trajectory. And what I mean by that is when I grew up, I mean, I'm a Gen X kid. So all the things you see about, hey, come back when the, the, the sun's down. And that, that's, that was right, it. Right, when the street lights come on. Whatever, right? right? And, and you know. Pre-Nintendo. Right? And, and, and dad building ramps and that's not big enough. Let's build a bigger one. Yeah, you those know, were the days. Those was, it was, like it, the movie Rad. Remember right. Rad? I love I mean, that movie. But. It was a great time. But the one thing was interesting. If I said I wanted to do something, my parents were always like, awesome. You can do that. And so they always believed in me. Mm -hmm. So I believe in my daughters like my parents believed in me. But what I tr tried to tweak is to say, listen, I had a million jobs. I worked in a factory. I worked at Hughes Markets as a bag boy. I worked as a bellman at a, a hotel. I waited tables at about three or four different restaurants. I've done it all. And when you do it all, it's great. It teaches you things. But the one negative is it, it doesn't get your trajectory going at the right time. In right. fact, I wasn't licensed to sell real estate until I think I was 29, okay? I think I graduated law school, passed the bar when I was 31. I'm 50 now. So the, the point is my daughter's 21. Mm -hmm. She knows she wants to be a developer. If I can align her with the right people, her tra trajectory will start sooner. Remember, uh, you know, the compounding effect is it's like a hockey stick. Yep. And so if you get started younger, they can do some amazing things sooner. And so <clears> my goal is to try to create that for them. That's great advice. That's great I advice. love that. I love it. All right, Dave, thank you so much for joining us That's on, it? on this. That's it, man. That is it. <laughs> thank you so much for joining on uh, joining us on this Elite Podcast episode 7. Hey, Diddy, sign us legit. off. Appreciate you. Episode 7. We'll see you on the next one. All right. We're out, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Randall. That was fun.